So hi, I'm Paul Shepard. Welcome to the Mindset Changing Podcast, where changing your mindset can literally transform your life in ways you can't imagine. Uh, Please do me a favor and hit the subscribe or follow button as it really does help me more than you can know. And more importantly, you won't miss another episode. Today, I'm a little bit excited. I have the pleasure of introducing leadership professor, consultant, and best-selling author, Ryan Gottfriedson, PhD, who wrote one of the best books I have read on mindsets. It's called Success Mindsets, The Key to Unlocking Greater Success in Your Life, Work and Leadership. Welcome, welcome, Ryan. Paul, it's so great to talk to another mindset junkie. I, you know, I don't get to talk to mindset junkies very often, uh, and so I always look forward to these experiences. Mindset junkie, I, I'm thinking that's a great podcast name. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Yes, I guess I'm a self-confessed mindset junkie, and I absorbed your book really quickly. Um, I'm just going to ask you before we get into how you wrote this this book. Um, what does because we're mindset junkies? What does mindset change mean to you? Mindset change. All right. So I guess let me even start just what mindset change doesn't mean to me in a way and what what aren't mindsets. So one of the things, this is my pet peeve as a mindset junkie. My pet peeve is when I hear people talk about mindsets as as being an attitude towards something. And, And it can be that, but mindsets, what I've learned, are so much more than that. And they are much more foundational to who we are. So I define mindset in really kind of two different ways. One is a more simple way, and then I've got a deeper definition. Uh, For me, the the simple definition is mindsets are the mental lenses that we wear that shape how we view the world. And how we view the world shapes how we think, how we learn, and how we behave. So mindset change from that perspective is we are, if we're wearing glasses, we take off a pair of glasses, we put on a new pair of glasses, and we see the world in a different way. But one of the things that I've done with my mindset research is I've tried to drill as deep as possible to find out what are mindsets really. And what I found is that, and I've had to dive into neuroscience, that, ne- that mindsets are long-range neural connections in our mind that span across our three major brain regions, and they have three primary jobs. So the first job is to absorb information from our situation and and identify the cues in that environment that are going to be important for us to know, right? So for example, if I walk into a a room that I'm speaking to and it's all women, my mind is gonna wanna take in the fact that it's all women. That's gonna be an important cue for me to take in. Then the second job of our mindsets is then to interpret those cues that we filter into our mind. Right? So, for example, I could interpret this room full of women as this is being a very scary place because okay. I'm a man and this is a room full of women. <laughs> but I could also interpret this as being a very warm, compassionate, and inviting place because many women are warm, compassionate, and inviting. Right. So, so that's the second job is to interpret these cues that come into our mind. And then the third job of our mindsets is to activate different elements about ourselves to best navigate that situation that we're in based upon the information taken in and how we interpret it. So 
All of that to say is that when we shift our mindsets and change our mindsets at its most foundational level, what we are actually doing is we are rewiring the brain. We are changing and we're, we're changing our, our neuro connections in our brain. And, and here's the thing is we've all got negative mindset neuro connections and we've got positive mindset neuro connections. The question is, is which one is stronger? Because the one that is stronger is going to fire more readily and more rapidly. That's going to be the default mode of, uh, of processing our world. Mm -hmm. So for example, and I'm sure most people are familiar with fixed and growth mindsets, we've all got a fixed mindset neural connection. We've all got a growth mindset neural connection. If we're more fixed minded, then we're going to process most of that information through that fixed mindset neural connection. That doesn't mean that we can't turn on the growth mindset neural connection. We could do that. We've got, we just got to be really intentional about it. Um, and when we understand this, that means that if we want to shift our mindsets, we've got to hit the gym for our brain because our neural connections are a lot like our muscles. The more we work them out, the stronger they become. And so mindset shift is ultimately, to summarize all that, about shifting or strengthening our mindset neural connections. And how we do that is through activating and exercising those neural connections. Does that make sense? Paul? It makes total sense to me. And, and I get it because, it, yes, it's not just an attitude. I'm with you 100%. I think neurochemistry is involved. I think neuro, neural connections are involved. And just listening to you just talk to them about the, the brain training that comes with that. What type of brain training are you referring to? Well, it could mean uh, it, it could be a lot of different things. Mm -hmm. The spectrum is really wide. So, and, and the here's where the research is really fascinating. Is what we found is that small. I, I mean, I, I guess let me ask you this, Paul. Do you think that shifting our mindsets is about like single big events, or is it about small events repeated over time? I think I think sometimes a big event can create a a, a shift. But I do think, again, it's because I'm a big fan of Tiny Habits and BJ Fogg and um, how, you know, just again, to beginning to build up a, a change in behavior, a, a shift in perspective often comes from tiny things. So I'm going to lean towards that, but hopefully I'm right. <laughs> yeah. So I, I think you're spot on. So not that big events can't influence our mindsets, but really... Mm -hmm. The heavy lifting is through small little events repeated over time. There's some really fascinating studies uh, on this. So, for example, in one study, what researchers found is that watching a three-minute video about one's mindset towards stress uh, caused stressed-out employees to be more engaged, higher perform at a higher level, and have lower blood pressure. So if they watched a video that said stress is good for three minutes, Two weeks later, they had a higher engagement, higher performance, and lower blood pressure. Wow. I, that's huge. It One three-minute video is having that impact two weeks later. Now, is that is that going to last forever? No. But what if we were to stack interventions mm -hmm. on top of each other? We do a three-minute video today. We read an article the next day. We have a discussion the next day. So, so at a base level... It's about kind of doing the little things. Now, I would say that that's, that's maybe the most surface level approach to shifting our mindsets, and it's effective. But we could also engage in deeper level um, activities. So, for example, um, as we 
one of the things that I've come to learn is that the quality of our mindsets is actually connected back to our past trauma that we've experienced. Mm-hmm. And everybody has trauma in their background. Yeah. And what we've what we've learned about trauma is that when somebody experiences trauma, there and for me, trauma is our body has a stress response system within it. And and it's great. It helps us absorb stress so that we can navigate stressful situations in an effective way. But it does have a capacity. It has a certain limit. And whenever we're in an environment where the stress of that environment exceeds our capacity to deal with it, then that's then our body has to go through um it has to do, go through rather drastic or take drastic measures to be able to adapt to that very stressful situation. And those drastic measures leave neurological imprints on our body. Mm-hmm. And generally, the consequences of, of being in these situations as is that we become self-protective. Right? And that's natural. Mm-hmm. If you experience trauma, you'll become more self-protective. And, and actually what that's doing at a neurological level is it's activating and strengthening the negative mindset neural connections, which are always going to be more self-protective as opposed to, uh, I speak about it in terms of the language of organizations, but organization advancing or contributing to a bigger purpose or, or, or a bigger meaning um, than just ourselves. Um, and so when we understand that at that, at that level, um, then the deeper ways in which we could shift our mindsets is to heal from our past trauma. Right? So one of the things that I've been doing over the last year and a half is I've been engaging with a trauma therapist. Uh, I do a therapy modality that's called EMDR. It's eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, a, it's just a deeper approach to working on my mindsets. And I feel like, um, I mean, if we, if we would have talked Two years ago, I would have said, man, the last, you know, two or three years since I've, I've worked, been working on my book, Success Mindsets, I have grown a ton. My mindsets are really different. Um, and I, I can now look back on the last year and a half and I would say the exact same thing. I, I, I can't believe how much growth I feel like I've, I've seen and felt within myself. Uh- you know, it's funny. I I trained in eye movement therapy, a version of it over here, which and I and I know the benefits it can have in changing the way that the brain uh, through changing your eye movements and when you're processing trauma, how it can have quite an impact on the way that your brain processes trauma in the past. It really does change the experience. Um, so, how did you get into um, how did you get into mindsets? Where did that all come from? Because obviously, you're doing a lot of work on yourself. Um, obviously there's been a big, big ton of transformation since you've even written the book, but how did the book all become about? Well, it's, it started, uh, during my PhD program. So I, I did my PhD at Indiana university and, uh, on the topic of leadership. And this allowed me to review the last 70 years of leadership research. And this was great. I learned a lot, but one of the things that I observed, there was something I observed that didn't really sit well with me. And that is that there's really been one dominant question that has been asked in the leadership space. And that dominant question is what do leaders need to do to be effective? Mm-hmm. And, and it's, it's a good question and it's led to some really good answers. Uh, but it is, it is always felt short sighted to me. 
Because I don't think that leadership is about doing the right things. It's about being a certain type of person. And so coming out of my doctoral program, uh, I decided that I wanted to focus on how do we tap into the being element of leadership? And, and the first step that I took in that approach was to dive into understanding leaders' motives. And, and that I learned a lot through that. But I started to come across, as I was diving into motives, connections to mindset research. And, and I said, I kind of realized I, I need to understand mindsets better. And I was already familiar with Carol Dweck's fixed and growth mindsets. Mm -hmm. And, and so I, I dove into the literature there. But then I, I wondered, well, what are there other mindsets that are out there? And if so, I should probably know about those so that I could, if I've got bad mindsets, mm -hmm. I could do something about it. And so I decided to open up the floodgates from an academic perspective. And I, I researched across psychology, education, management, and marketing. And I found that across these different domains, there's, there's several different sets of mindsets. And I focus on four of those in my book, Success Mindsets. And, and so um, all four of these sets exist in a different domain, and they largely don't talk to each other. And so what my work around success mindsets has been is to bring these four different sets of mindsets together into one framework so that we can get a more comprehensive picture of what the quality of our mindsets across these four different mindsets. Wow. So again, it's, but what, why leaders? Why was that such a big thing for you? You know, that, that was, that was going to be your target. What was it that attracted you to that area of work? Yeah, um, good question. So I guess it, it taps into part of uh, my purpose. Um, and I, I think about the way that I think about leadership is leadership is not about a position. Leadership is about one's ability to have a positive influence on the world around them. And, and that's what connects really well to me is, is I, I want to be a positive influence within my sphere of influence. And, and so if I could study a topic that I'm already interested and passionate about, then, mm -hmm. then that'll work. And, and ultimately what I wanted to understand is not just for me, right? How can I become a more positive influence? Well, that's surely been part of the process is uh, I've also loved the idea of gaining knowledge and expertise and, and even my own development in such a way that I could help others to be a positive influence themselves, hmm. kind of be a magnifier of, of this influence. And so that's, fortunately, that's, uh, you know, where the space I get to play in is I work with organizations all over the world to, to develop their leaders so that they can be, have a more positive influence. And to me, this is really meaningful. I mean, there's statistics out there that suggest that 71% of, 71% uh, of employees say that their boss is the worst and most stressful part of their job. What? Right? What, wow. if, we, what okay. if we could do something to change that, right? That, yeah, yeah. that would have a huge impact on the lives of others. No, absolutely, absolutely. And so if anyone was, so anyone listening to this who could relate to that, you know, that statistic that you just said, and they've got a leader, you know, their boss is not someone that they get on with or they don't trust, what can they do about it? Uh, well, it, it's, it's challenging and it's always going to be challenging because oftentimes what that means 
is that leader needs to heal himself mm -hmm. in a way. For example, I had a call with a, an executive two days ago. And this executive, we're kind of diving into, okay, where, where are some places where you don't feel like you're doing a great job as a leader? And, and what he said to me was, I squash the ideas of my employees. And I was like, really? Why? Why do you do that? And I was, I was, I guess I was shocked he was so blunt about it and recognized mm -hmm. it because most leaders don't even recognize that they do that. And, and he said, yeah, I do it. And, I, and you know, I'm like, why do you do this? And he says, I don't know. It's just my instinctive reaction, which suggests to me is this is really connected to his body's nervous system. Something's going on there. Mm. And as we started to unpack it, what we discovered is that he's, he's carrying around this internal belief uh, that if the ideas of his subordinates come forward and they are accepted by others, that the other people in the organization will see that subordinate as being smarter than him. Oh. And so his shutting down the ideas of others is a self-protection mechanism for him. And ultimately, at the end of the day, if he's going to change, he's going to have to heal from his past trauma. And, and it's really hard for a subordinate mm. to facilitate mm. that process. Um, and, and, and so... That's that's a challenging thing. But what we can always do is we can always change our mindsets. Yeah. So so let me let me give you an example of how I've how I've learned this. Um, and and I learned this. I, I picked this up from Brene, Brene Brown's book, Daring Greatly. And um, there's a question in this book that I would say rocked my world in a good way. And, and she, the question that she poses is, do you think in general that people are doing the best they can? Ooh, okay. That's a controversial one, isn't uh, it? <laughs> well, yeah. And, yeah. and so as I'm reading the book, she asks a question and I'm telling myself, no, I don't think people are doing the best they can. And, and then what she goes on to say is that through her research, what she's found is that people who answer no struggle with shame and perfectionism. Ah, okay. But people who answer yes are more willing to be vulnerable and they live what she calls a more wholehearted life. And, and this is really fascinating to me. And here's how it showed up for me initially. So I live in Southern California. Uh, Southern California is, or California as a whole is home to half of the United States homeless population. What? It's just, there's a massive homeless population here wow, in California. Okay. And yeah. so what this means is that when I go from my home to work, is it's pretty likely that I'm going to see somebody standing on a street corner acting, asking for assistance. Mm. And how I, how I used to see these people was through the perspective of, no, they are not doing the best that they can. Mm -hmm. And when I would see them as not doing the best that they can, I would be really quick to be critical of them, right? So the thoughts that would go on in my mind was when I would see them as, why are you asking me for my hard-earned money and you're just standing there? Why don't you do something more productive with your life? Go get a job or something, right? That was the way that I thought because I saw them as not doing the best that they can. But after reading Brene Brown's book, um, I... I I wanted to try to put on the different lens, the different mindsets. Do I, can I see others as doing the best that they can? And so the next time I pulled up to the street corner, of course, my mind raced towards my 
they aren't doing their best because that was my negative mindset neuroconnection that dominates. And I, I had to intentionally activate my more positive mindset neuroconnection. And, and I told myself, okay, this person is, what if this person is doing the best that they can? And it led to another question that, that for me was really profound. I mean, it hit me like a punch to the gut. And, and the other question was, well, if they're doing their best, what has happened in their life that has led them to believe that this is the best way to live? Whoa. Okay. And, and upon asking that question, my heart sunk, like literally my mm. heart sunk. And, and it was an experience I had, honestly, I don't know if I've ever had before because before I would, I was staying hard. I was staying callous. Like you're a bad person. Do something about your life. Mm. But in this instance, I, it, it hit me that, wow, this person has probably been through a lot. And in fact, if I had if I had lived through what they have lived through, I could imagine myself being in that same position. And so immediately, rather than being critical of them, I'm now being empathetic. And, and honestly, it was kind of an like I said, it was an experience that I had never really had before, and it was a really profound moment for me. And it and it taught me the value of that that perspective is mm -hmm. and, and the the better way to answer that question is in, in general, do you think others are doing the best that they can? Now I'm now is everybody? I don't know. That that's mm. I'm not sure that's up for me to judge. Yeah. But if I believe that they're doing their best that they can and there's a reason for why they're doing what they're doing, rather than wanting to step away from them, I now want to step towards them. I want to understand what's going on. Um, and so that that's just been a really profound experience for me. I, you know, I, I love that because what it shows is just by asking a question and as coaches, um, you know, it's questioning really does give the brain time to think and to begin to create that mindset shift into there could be other possibilities. So, and it's a sentence, but I remember uh, when yeah. I was listening to yeah, sorry. No, you're good. Uh, I just wanted to yeah. kind of close close the loop for a second. We mm. can continue talking, but because we let what led into that was yeah. the question is what can employees do about their managers who don't have good mindsets? Well, well, that's maybe an approach that we could take. Mm. Is what if we were to see them as doing the best that they can? Then that allows us to explore the better why they're doing what they're doing, and and rather being critical of them, we could be more empathetic towards them. And I think if we take that approach, we're going to, we're going to put ourselves in a position to better navigate that situation more effectively. And I, I absolutely agree with you. You know, you talked about a like, you know, protective mindset. And I heard that quite a lot in your book. There's a promotion mindset, is that right? And a, and a protective mindset. So if you're in a protective mindset, do you think that you're going to almost, almost in a way persecute your, you know, superior, your leader, your boss, with a story that they're not doing their best. They are just, you know, whatever judgment you're going to come mm. up with. Um, so, yeah, talk, talk, can you tell me a little yes. bit more about those different types of mindsets, promotion mindset, uh, protective mindset? Well, let's, uh, do, you, do you care if we introduce all four of them? No, no, that'd be nice. I think, I think it'd be really nice for everyone to hear all four of them, all four mindsets, because I, 
I said, I'd not heard of these. I've not, not in this way before. So I think people listening will find this absolutely fascinating. Good. And, and we're going to get the sense of the self-protectedness mm. here. here up. So what I'm going to do, Paul, is I'm going to ask you, uh, I'm going to share with you four different desires. And what I want you to do, if that's okay, is mm-hmm. I want you to tell me whether or not you think society says these are good or bad desires. Okay. All right. Yeah. Is that okay? Yeah. yeah. Go for it. All right. So here's the desires. A, di- a desire to look good, a desire to be right, a desire to avoid problems, and a desire to get ahead. Do you know, listening to them, <laughs> I think society promotes those as a good thing to do, all in general. You know, I know uh, as a mindset coach, there's going right. to be issues with them, but I think we do live in a culture that pushes each of those, you know, uh, you know, the social media, the way that you look uh, is so important. Failure is never promoted as a as a way to grow. Uh, you know, we talk about it, but it's still don't do it. Um, so, no, I think uh, these are these are definitely promoted in society is likely to be true uh, as, in, as in a good thing. Right. Yeah, so the, these desires, again, a desire to look good, be right, mm. avoid problems, and get ahead. And, and I think you're right. I think society says these are good desires, and it's very justifiable. Because who likes to look bad, be wrong, have problems, and get passed up? Nobody. No, it's classed as, fa- right? that is, that's classed as failure, isn't it? That is our- yeah. yeah. So when when we're focused on looking good, being right, avoiding problems and getting ahead where is our focus inwards (laughs) it's on ourselves yeah totally yeah absolutely and and we become self-protective and these these desires these four desires are what are fueled by the four negative mindsets fixed closed prevention and inward ah okay and when I first learned and this this was the epiphany for me is when I first learned about these four sets of mindsets I saw that I had all four of these mindsets, that I was focused on looking good, being right, avoiding problems and getting ahead. And and I felt justified in this. I felt like these were really good mindsets, Mm. right? Um, Why would I ever like to have problems? Um, You know, I could easily justify these away. And I think another reason why I was why I had these mindsets is because I didn't know that there was better mindsets and desires to have such as a desire to learn and grow, a desire to find truth and think optimally, a desire to reach goals, and a desire to lift others. And these are, these are the desires of the four positive mindsets, growth, open, promotion, and outward. And, and you brought this up around failure, right? Because if we want to, with the growth mindset, if we wanna have this desire to learn and grow, we've got to be okay with looking bad at times. If we have an open mindset, (laughs) or if we want to have an open mindset, we want to find truth and think optimally, we've got to be okay being wrong at times. If we want to have a promotion mindset with this desire to reach goals, we've got to be okay wading through problems at times. And if we want to lift others with this outward mindset, we've got to be okay putting ourselves on the back burner at times. And I don't know about you, but what I've learned for myself and I see it in others, but it's, it's just not easy in those at times moments. It's not easy 
to look bad, be wrong, have problems, or, or put ourselves on the back burner. But the people with the, with the best mindsets, with the most positive mindsets, they've created within them the mental space mm-hmm. that they're okay with those things. They've widened their window of tolerance for things like failure, being wrong, having problems, and getting passed up. And they, they don't care so much about their own success. They're caring now about making a contribution in the world around them. So mm-hmm. what we find is that people with the more negative mindsets – they're, it's justifiable, but they're just in self-protection mode. As we shift into the positive mindsets, we enter into contribution mode. Mm. Um, and it's kind of like the difference between a turtle with its head and its arms and its shells. That's the self-protection mode. And it feels safe mm. and it feels comfortable and it's great, right? It's very justifiable because the world around a turtle is very dangerous. But we are never going to have a positive impact in the world with our head and our arms and our shells. The only way we can have a positive impact on the world around us is if we if we intentionally keep our, our head and our arms out and, and, and then go about doing great work. Mm. Um, so it's really justifiable to take on the negative mindsets. And in fact, what I've found is that, because I've got a mindset assessment that people can take. Yeah, I've and, taken it. And they can assess... <laughs> kind of gauge the quality of their mindset yes. across all four of these different sets of mindsets. And what I found is that across over 25,000 people who have taken the mindset assessment, only two and a half percent are in the top quartile for all four sets of mindsets. Oh, wow. So what that tells me is that most of us, mm-hmm. myself included, have got some work to do on our mindsets. And if we could put labels to these, then we could do something about it. And just to let listeners know, if you would like to take the mindset assessment test, uh, the link will be in the show notes. I did it and I was happy to see that there is room for improvement. I was your the, the, what, the information that came back, Ryan, Ryan uh, lets me know, know where my strengths were, but it also showed me my weaknesses. And as I said, it's such a good test, so I really would recommend it. But just, you know, talking about why only a small percentage of people have the you know the four positive mindsets you know we're talking about trauma and you know what you've been doing with work with the EMDR etc to um, help and I'll call it decommissioning where you decommission you know the past so you can begin to uh, you know open up and think about your future in a whole new way because otherwise there's too much energy being directed into past trauma it creates old you know it's like an old computer program it just needs a bit of new code so I can see, you know, having, you know, struggled yep. in my past with trauma, why I still have room for improvement because my mind, I'm still doing work on myself. There's still things to do, uh, which I talk openly uh, about in my podcast. I just, I recently just recorded a, uh, an episode about the victim mindset. And I discovered last year that I was caught up in a self-protective victim mindset with a member of my family. And it was it was a little bit of a shock to discover it was still there. It was hidden. And it came up through some coaching and psychoanalysis yeah. work. But it was so liberating to have that set three. So what would you recommend to anyone who does your test and they look and they find their strengths and find their weaknesses? What would you suggest to someone who's thinking, I need to change these weaknesses? I want those four positive mindsets. Yeah. Well, first, um, I, I think I would say, let me invite 
the person taking it to be open about it. Mm. Right. So it's it's really fascinating. People people react and have reacted really strongly to their mindset assessment results. Let me give you an example of that. I, I, about a month ago, I got an email from a lady and I was doing uh, some work with her team um, in an organization. And she we were set to do a workshop the next day and she took my mindset assessment the day before and she sent me an email that said, I don't think I'm going, I don't think I want to be involved in this training tomorrow because your mindset is, I don't agree at all with your mindset assessment and, okay. and the results that I was given. Wow. And, and I could tell she was a little hot about it. And, and so I didn't respond to her. I'm just, I'm going to let her, I'm going to let her sleep on this. And I, it was, it was really funny. I kind of chuckle about it now, but I woke up to an email the next morning from her and she said, okay, I've talked to my husband and I think it's going to be a good thing for me to be a part of this workshop today. <laughs> okay. Right. Mm. And, and it's like there, and there's people and I've got, you know, dozen or so stories that are just like that of people who they take the mindset assessment. It says that they've got poor mindsets. They don't initially agree with it. So they dismiss, dismiss it altogether. And, and so what I, what I would invite anybody is to not, not react to it, but whatever results pop up, whether positive or negative, but to sit with it, to push your, push it around a little bit. Is the assessment a hundred percent accurate? I don't think so. I think it's impossible to be a hundred percent accurate about something that most people aren't even conscious of, but I do think it is a helpful way to get more objective about our foundational mindsets. And if we could step into them, and explore them a little bit, kind of push around, push them around. Uh, I, I think what we're doing is we'll create the space for transformational change mm. in our lives. And, and so there's a variety of resources that I I, I have as a, on the back end of, of the mindset assessment. People could uh, access a mindset library with a whole host of books, resources, articles. Mm. Um, I have a, a digital mindset coach uh, that, that helps facilitate a mindset development plan. Uh, so there's a variety of resources that are there. So, it, but, but I think to me, that's the big thing is, is just create space to sit in and explore. And if we can do that, it could be transformational for us. I, I, you know, well, you know, I'm a mindset coach, so it's, I know the benefit of having mindset coaching and as I said, I love the work that you do. And again, it's new wrote the most incredible book. Uh, how did that come about? How did you go from, you know, being a consultant, a coach, uh, a professor to being a best-selling author? What happened? How did that turn into, you know, what is an amazing resource, by the way? Well, th thank you. And thank you for diving into it. Uh, it. It really means a lot. So, I, I mean, in all honesty, I wouldn't have done any of that without first working on my mindset. Mm. So I, I'm somebody, as we talked about the prevention and promotion mindsets, I'm somebody through most of my childhood and most of my adult life, I had a prevention mindset, which means that I'm primarily focused on avoiding problems as opposed to reaching goals. Hmm. And so what that meant for me is how I would wake up every day is essentially, how do I get through today in the easiest way possible? <laughs> right? that, was, that was kind of my mentality. And yeah. I never, never wanted to be an entrepreneur. 
I saw being an entrepreneur as being scary and risky. Like I, I'm, I'm going to put my family's well-being at risk if I become an entrepreneur. Um, and and at that time, I was I was working at, at my university, and I, I met a CEO in our community. And this CEO is this very kind of charismatic leader, really great guy. And he hands me a book. Uh, and I don't know if you can see this, but here's the book that he hands oh. me. It's called The Five Minute Journal. Ah, and he yes, says, I, yeah, I know. This book. So he says, This book is going to change your life. And outwardly, I'm very gracious. And I'm thinking, Oh, yeah. Um, thank you. I love books. This is fantastic. But inwardly, I'm thinking, Who the hell does he think I am? There is no way I am ever going to journal. Right? And that's and, and I I literally brought the book home and I was about to toss I was I was gearing up to throw it in my trash can when I heard his voice in my ear that says this book will change your life and I was like oh well maybe I so then I told myself I'm gonna give this two weeks and if I feel a shift then I'm gonna keep doing it mm-hmm. but if I don't then it's going in the trash. And I'm now about three and a half years. I don't know. You can see behind me. I've got a whole stack of them behind me. Um, and and what this did is this book for me helped me shift from a prevention mindset to a promotion mindset. So wow. every day I wake up and I answer three questions. What are three? What are three things I'm grateful for? What are three things that would make today great? And fill in some self affirmations. And then at the end of the day, I asked myself, what are three amazing things that happened today? And how could I have learned? What did I learn today that I could use to improve in the future? Mm. And for me, what this was is I was exercising my positive mindset, my promotion mindset, neural connections every day. And, and after I made these shifts in my mindsets, then my mind saw things like writing a book and being an entrepreneur as being a viable course of action to reach my purpose and my goals. Wow. Before they were not a viable option because they felt risky and scary, mm-hmm. right? You see how I was in self-protection mode. And as mm-hmm. I shifted, I moved from self-protection mode to contribution mode. And now it's how do I create a business so that I can have an impact on the world? How do I write a book so I can have an impact on the world? And then when I write the book, um, I'm faced with, opportunities to invest in, you know, marketing the book. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I mean, I mean, honestly, what, how I got the best sell hit the wall street journal in USA today, bestseller list was I had to invest in it. I had to put on a second mortgage on my home Wow! Uh, in okay. order to have the money to, yeah. to do a, this huge, massive marketing campaign um, that allowed me to hit the wall street journal in USA today, bestseller list. And, and that was, I mean, that's like maybe one of the scariest decisions I've ever made Yeah, is, is doing a second mortgage, which feels really risky <laughs> to be able to market the book. And, and I, you know, and, and I did it, hit the bestseller list and, and I have zero regrets about it. And it, it may be the yeah. best thing that I've done for my business um, because now I've kind of got that moniker and, and people take me serious at, at a level that they wouldn't have otherwise. Mm. Um, so so that's been that's been my journey, but it foundationally started with 
a shift shift in my mindsets and ultimately the five minute journal. So I, I tell this guy that gave me this book all the time, like you're, you're, you're the reason why. It, it, I mean, it, it all comes back to, to wow. him giving me that book and it, it's been life changing, game changing. I, I mean, I, I do the online version of that um, each morning and night. Uh, but I also I also uh, recommend to my clients I journal and I, I talk about it in the podcast. Uh, but journaling is amazing. It's an amazing way to transform the mindset, but also develop some self-mastery, get to know yourself. Because we just don't give ourselves enough time to think, do we really? You know, or to process. We just, it's constant distractions, constant things coming at us. And then we expect just to hit the pillow at the end of the day and go to sleep. Um, and then no wonder find people find it hard. Do you what do you, do you have like a, a mindset thing at night? Do you, is this what you do last thing, or is there anything else that you do to clear your mind, help yourself? Yeah. So for me, I I don't do a ton at, at the end of the day, mm-hmm. but I I try to invest quite a bit at the front of the day. So okay. the first thing that I do, uh, my morning ritual is I get some I get some lemon water, so rehydrate my body. Yeah. Uh, and then I sit down at my desk and and I meditate. Uh, I could probably meditate for longer, but I usually meditate for five to ten minutes. I use an app called Insight Timer. Mm-hmm. Um, and and by the way, meditation is one of the tools that we've found that helps us improve all four sets of these mindsets. Wow. Right. So it's, it's globally effective. Um, Then, then the, the next thing I do after I meditate is I pull up an email. I get an email every morning from the universe. It's called notes from the universe. It's written by Mike Dooley. Um, If anybody wants to subscribe, they could go to tut.com. It's tut.com. And they're just these fantastic short notes that are really to me, they are mindset lifting. They're very um, abundant type type okay. ideas. Nice. And so that's I I, I read that. Yeah. Then I that puts me in a good mind frame to do my five minute journal. And and when I'm done with my five minute journal and all that takes I don't know twenty minutes to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, then for me, I feel like I'm mentally ready to to go into my day. And for me. Then I get I go into writing mode there, and then I have some exercise after writing mode. But to me, I've I've kind of structured a, a morning routine that I feel like helps me get into the right space mentally, mm-hmm. um, and and it's been, you know, it's something that I feel like I need every day. I need that every day. I'm with you. I I meditate. I do yoga. I do journaling. I sometimes and I do a lot of that sometimes in the morning because we don't often start the day with enough intentional work. We just get up and it's almost like hoping for the best uh, and intentions are an powerful way to, to create that mindset shift to you know uh, to work with the subconscious to guide you what it is that you want to your day to you know to be like to increase the chances of making it to be the day that you really want um, what advice would you give to someone who is hearing us now having this conversation and is thinking of wanting to change their mindset Yeah, great question. The first step to mindset shift is always awareness, mm. right? For most people, our mindsets reside below the level of our consciousness. And if we could be bring them up to the level of our consciousness, it's then that we could do something about it. So to, to me, that's where I feel like my book and my mindset assessment can be really helpful for people because what it, what those are doing is they're putting labels and descriptions on things that most people haven't had labels and descriptions for before, which allows us to name it, to tame it. 
and 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 the assessment maybe provides some objective information about the quality of our mindset. So to me, that's always the first step is it's awareness and, and becoming aware of where we're at and also where we want to go. And once we could do that, then we could develop a clear strategy for moving forward. Nice. And how, you know, is there, we're going to be ending our interview very shortly. I could talk to you all day. Um, what is there anything exciting you at the moment in regards to mindsets? Is there anything that's got your eye at the moment that you're thinking, ooh, I could add this to my next book? Are you writing a next book? What's coming next? I've got, yes, I've got a next book and I am just in the process of finishing it right now. It's set to come out October 11th. Uh, so thank you for letting me talk about <laughs> it a little bit. I feel nice. like I'm uh, about ready to birth a child, which is, which is fantastic. <laughs> so everything that we've talked about here is it is a unique form of development mm -hmm. that most of us don't even think about. And what we need to understand is there's two different types of development. There's horizontal development and there's vertical development. Horizontal development is our typical form of development. We're gaining new knowledge and new skills so that we can do more than what we could do previously, right? It's like adding an app onto an iPad. I, I can uh, I add an app to the iPad. The iPad can now do more than what it could do previously. That's like taking a class or getting a certification. But And this is good. We need horizontal development, but it has a huge limitation. If we add an app onto an iPad, that doesn't necessarily improve how effectively that iPad operates. It doesn't operate any more quickly. It can't handle mm. any more complex tasks. And that's where vertical development comes in. Vertical development is all about upgrading our own internal operating system. The focus isn't on doing more, it's on being better. And the definition of vertical development, which fits in exactly what we've talked about, is elevating our ability to make meaning of our world in more cognitively and emotionally sophisticated ways. I love that, I love that. Right? So yeah. if, if, if we wanna vertically develop, which is all about mindset. Mindset work is vertical development because mm. we are shifting how we make meaning of our world so that we can make meaning in more cognitively and emotionally sophisticated ways. So my example with the homeless people is before I was making meaning of them in a not very cognitively and emotionally sophisticated ways. Right? I wasn't stepping into the complexity that is their world and what they have been through. After, when I made meaning of them as though they're doing the best that they can, I'm now stepping into a more cognitively and emotionally sophisticated way of viewing that situation. And, and that's, so everything that we're talking about uh, foundationally is, is all about vertical development. And it's a form of development that most people don't even know about, let alone engage in. But my belief is that if we could better understand what it is, then we'll be more empowered to do it. Now, I guess what I've learned is that horizontal development is good and it could be incrementally helpful, but vertical development leads to transformation. Wow. And, and so the, the book is designed to help people to make that transform their lives. And, and I guess if I'm being honest with you, I feel like vertical development should have come first and then mindsets <laughs> okay. because mindsets is the way yeah. in which we do it. 
but but that's not the way that I learned it. I learned mindsets first, and now I'm I'm learning about vertical development and and how we. The, one of the best ways to do it is through a focus on our mindsets. So wow. um, I'm excited to 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 bring that out into. Well, the- that's not far away as well. So what, what's the book called? So it's called the Elevated Leader Leveling Up uh, Through Vertical Development. Wow. Okay, so um, again, we're going to put your details in the show notes. But if anyone's just listening to this and fancies Googling you uh, or wants to contact you, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, uh, best way is my website, ryangotfordson.com. But I'm most most active on LinkedIn and would be happy to connect with anybody there. Brilliant. Ryan, it's been an absolute pleasure. So I could have talked to you forever. You're going to have to come back because we're going to have to talk more. Because um, again, there's so much from your book we haven't discussed yet. Obviously, it's going to be a lot more to discuss from your new book. So hopefully you'll come back and be a guest on a future episode. Um, as I said, thank you so much. Let's do it. Yeah, let's do that. Let's definitely do that. I hold you to that. Um, anyway, and, and to you listeners, thank you so much for listening to the show. Um, I look forward to connecting with you in the next episode. Have an amazing day.